A couple weeks ago, we had a guest speaker last week, but a couple weeks ago, um, which was tremendous, by the way, we sure enjoyed Pastor um, Aaron Hankins, who came and ministered to us, wonderful word. Um, uh, but a couple weeks ago, I taught on uh, taking up your cross daily. And so we want to pick up there and uh, uh, do just a little bit of a, a, a review uh, to help those of you who may not have been here. And uh, so in Luke 9.23, uh, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So we know that there is a daily taking up your cross uh, there's something in your life uh, that would, uh, would need to possibly be crucified on a daily basis. Um, and uh, we, we talked about that aspect of your life uh, being uh, the soul or the unrenewed mind um, that uh, is not yielded to God, if you will. And uh, uh, so we know that man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Um, uh, in further study, I'm finding out that it's, it's very... Uh, interesting or challenging to distinguish uh, between the spirit and the soul. There is a spirit, which is the real you. That's the part of you that got saved. Um, that's the part of you that is, is righteous. That's the part of you, you stand next to Jesus. You look just like Jesus. You look like relatives. Uh, you are not trying to be saved. You are. You're not trying to be righteous. You are. Your spirit man is the part of you, praise God, that God redeemed. The old you, we couldn't fix it. We couldn't patch it. We couldn't even, uh, you know, uh, train it. We had to annihilate it and do away with it and create a new you. So if any man be in Christ, he, that new man uh, in Christ, is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All this new stuff is of God. All right? So uh, I wanted to say all that because when we start talking about the soul of man, um, that's a, a different issue, okay? So you are saved, you know, your spirit, we just talked about this, you are saved, you are born again, you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, but there is this soul part of your being, uh, your mind, your will, and emotions, okay? This is the go-between. And uh, so, so we talked some about that and uh, defined a little bit um, that your mind is uh, how you think or what you think, and your will is uh, what you desire, what you want, okay? And your emotions are how you feel, right? And uh, man, uh, we, we uh, want to be spiritual beings and walk in the light in the gospel, and, and, and yet we have all these other things that seem to be uh, somewhat in contradiction to that a lot of times. Uh, you come out of church and you've just had an amazing service. We've worshiped God. We've been inspired. You've heard a message on the power of God and that basically you can swing over hell on a cornstalk and spit in the devil's eye. And then you go get in your car with your family and all H-E double toothpicks breaks out. I've had families ask me this question. How come... That happens. Well, what happens is uh, we go outside the building and get in the car and we step right out of the spirit into the flesh. And uh, so our soul uh, starts immediately switching out from spirit life into flesh life. And... Uh, you might be hungry, you might be a little tired, who knows, which contributes to yielding to that side of your being. 
and you have a, a war go on. Some of you may have had a war before you got to church. Well, look at this. It just gets so quiet in this Holy Ghost church. But, so we're talking about this aspect or dynamic of, of your life, uh, the soul man. Yeah, I'm a soul man, you know. We have a soul, but we want our soul to live out from our spirit and connected to our spirit. Y'all with me? Praise God. Hallelujah. And Christians will ask this question. How can they call themselves a Christian? How can they call themselves a Christian? And they'll have reasons why they're, uh, you know, have sized them up, you know, that they're not being very Christian. Now, I'm glad none of us have ever done that. But it's because that person is not living in the spirit. They're living in what? The flesh. So their soul is operating in a fleshly arena as opposed to the spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is that possible? Absolutely. I'm going to try and get a little further along than I did in the first service. Glory to God. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Praise the Lord. But I do want to recap um, Hebrews 4.12. We know uh, that the soul and the spirit are so intertwined uh, that it takes God's word to divide, you know, that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So uh, again, that, that it, it takes God's word to divide what is spiritual, what is um, uh, emotional or soul, soulish, if you will. And uh, you can separate the spirit from the body, but you can't separate the spirit from the soul, you can only define the different aspects. Does that mean? You can only make a distinguishment of the differences, but they are intertwined. Insomuch that the scripture said, thou hast not left his soul in hell. His soul, that's suke actually. And uh, uh, so, so Vine says this statement that, uh, that you can divide or you can separate the spirit from the body, but you cannot uh, the, the, the soul and the spirit can only be defined. I hope I'm helping somebody. They are so intertwined. That hence why the word has to come in, into the play to know what's just mental, emotional from what is actually spiritual. And reasoning will argue with what is God. Okay, I'm uh, recapping. Uh, so then in, in uh, Hebrews, we find um, in verse 13, uh, right after verse 12, which is the word of God is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, soul, spirit, joints, marrow, discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse 13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom must, we must give an account. This just seems so, so interesting, and you never really give it much thought. You don't even know what it's talking about hardly, unless you dig into the Greek. You find out the word open actually means to jerk some head, a, a head back like of a goat and, and slip the throat. And God has special plans for your unrenewed mind. 
And this is how come when we take up our cross daily, there's some head jerking and throat slitting. That we are going to have to crucify some aspects of our being if we are going to be the most effective and the most fruitful believers. Okay. Real quick here, uh, Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So functioning from this aspect of your unrenewed mind, in other words, the mind of the flesh or the mind of reason is death. We reason within ourselves because of these uh, facts or these things that I can do this And it could possibly be leading you to death. There's a way that seems right to a man. But it leads to death. Its end is destruction. And you thought, well, because they did X, Y, Z, I have the right to live in the flesh right now. To be carnally minded is death. You want to join them in the carnal mind and die with them? Go ahead. You've been warned. But it sure feels good, doesn't it? Interesting when somebody talks about what they did. And in your flesh, you're thinking, man, that's awesome. I know it's wrong, but man, that's your flesh. I remember years ago, you know, working in youth ministry, you know, and going to camp, spending a week with kids. Everybody's tired. Everybody's not functioning, you know, at their highest and best. So you get ready to haul them kids back to Vegas, you know, and they're all, you know, all different things going on after Holy Ghost moves the whole week, you know. We had a a great big old gal. She's tall, big bone, worked in, uh, um, you know, juvenile. She was helping me in youth ministry. In fact, two boys, you know, they're mouthing off to her. She snacked an arm of both of them, and slammed them against the van. I was in the driver's seat. The van went, I saw it in the rearview mirror. I'm like, oh, you know, I jump out. I was like, whoa, 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 you know. Take her off. It's like, hey, hey, you can't do that. You can't body slam the children. But I, I, I then said, but how did it feel? <laughs> Because it's crossed my mind so many times. (laughs) So the struggle is real. I get it. But that doesn't make it right. Just because it felt good doesn't make it right. Believe me, the old saying, it's been around for years, if it feels good, do it. Look, it will kill you. The mind of the flesh, to be carnally minded is death. We can't walk that way. So there has to be this this aspect of of slaying the carnal mind in our life. How much? Daily. Daily. You think at some point you should be able to, you know, just, uh, you know, put your Christianity on cruise control. Just lock in. Back when they first invented cruise control. Uh, I remember a story of a, a gentleman bought a brand new uh, motor home. It was like a Winnebago. I don't know if you remember that name. but, but uh, So he, he gets locked in, sees cruise control, puts the cruise control on, goes back to make himself a drink. And you know how that went. 
And so then they had to put notifications, by the way, you still have to drive. <laughs> by the way, you still have to crucify your flesh. Cruise control, Christianity is curse control. We have to be in it. We have to be all in it. Because the temptation is real. The call is real. You say, well, how, how do people call themselves a Christian and do X, Y, Z? Because they're living in their unrenewed mind. Praise the Lord. The part of our being that has died and has been put away is our spirit man. We see in Colossians 3.3, for you, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In Galatians 20, 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in this body, I live through the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is the aspect of us uh, that's gone, done away with. But there is another aspect of your being, your soul. Your soul is what gets offended. Your soul is what pouts. Your soul is what wants sympathy the work of the flesh. Isn't that something? It's not our spirit that doesn't get along with people for different reasons. It's your soul. Praise the Lord. So you do your spouse a favor and pick up your cross before you get with them. Nail that puppy to the coffee maker. Leave it in the shower. Come out of their difference. Glory to God. Every day. Hi, baby. Hey, sweetie. Don't expect anything in return. This is the life of the Spirit. You're like, whatever. Ouch. Hey, that hurt. Not a dead person. You can't hurt a dead person's feeling. Come on now. I like what Brother Hagin said. He said, I decided I was going to walk in love if the whole world didn't. <laughs> Nobody else does. I'm going to walk in love. My love walk is not contingent on what, how others treat me. Praise the Lord. That's, uh, now, I said that. I'm working it out just like you are, just so you know. Every single day, you have to work it out. Every moment of your life, you're walking in love. Oh, yeah, gentlemen, I don't know about you. I'll open the door for uh, ladies, which, you know, I'm kind of old school. You open the door. If it's a, uh, you know, I open the door for everyone, actually. But, but you know, then they'll just walk through like, Psh, whatever. And you go, praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. A simple thing, but it's so funny how little things. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway, and there's just not enough Christian hand signals. Right? You're like, which finger? Okay, none of them. All right. Love you. Right? One way, Jesus. <laughs> Look to him only. <laughs> 
you know, right? We, we just kill it. Turn to your neighbor and say, kill it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians. I'm going to read from the Amplified just to save some time real quick. This is the Amplified Classic. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in his presence that you must no longer live as the heathen the Gentiles do. Now, why would Paul say this to the church of Ephesus, to Christians, if it wasn't possible for them to live this way? I just want to point this out before we make the list. Christians have the ability to walk like heathens. We have the choice to make. Now listen what he's laying out for them. He's defining what he's talking about. He says uh, that uh, live as the heathen or Gentiles do in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls, in the futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the one of knowledge and the perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and past feeling and reckless and have abandoned themselves a prey to unbridled sensuality. We don't know any Christians like this. eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Verse 20, but you did not so learn Christ. More accurately, Jesus didn't teach you that. That's not what Jesus taught you. Praise God. So we have a choice. We can live. Uh, listen, I know there's different levels of this, and this sounds pretty extreme, right? But what, to what level have you allowed yourself and decided it's justifiable? To what level? I can tell you this, that to whatever level that you live in this condition or selfishly or living in reason, it is uh, a problem a challenge, somebody in your life is not having fun. It is not enjoyable. Maybe that person is tolerating you. If you're married, maybe they've learned to deal with it. I always tell people, do not get married on the basis of the possibility of them changing. I will talk to people, premarital people. I'll do all that I know to do. And then later they, they come in and I'm like, look, you went into this thing with your eyes wide open. Don't tell me you didn't know X, Y, Z. You knew that he or she was strong. It's so interesting to me um, that a lot of times um, women will want a strong Christian man who they can control. Typically, that's a tough find.
We'll just get back into the word. Okay, praise the Lord. Verse 21. Verse 21 of Ephesians 4. Assuming that you have really heard him and been taught by him, as all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in him, strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. Wow. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self, Created in God's image, Godlike, in true righteousness and holiness. So we are called to put something off and to put something on. So, as perfect and amazing as we all are in Christ, our new nature, the life of God, the righteousness of God, that's who we are. But If you don't yield to that life and nature and you yield to your flesh, you are not going to be the effective person God intended for you to be. Jesus actually said, you will know them by how churchy they sound. You will know them by how much they attend church. You will know them by They speak in tongues. You will know them by their jargon, their Christianese. Hallelujah. How are you? Blessed. That's Christianese. If we're going to be effective to reach the world, we are going to have to live as this scripture says. We will put off some things and, and, and put on some things and, and clothe ourselves. Isn't that right? You are the righteousness of God. Clothe yourself with it. And people come in contact with people uh, with fruit on their life. And that means that they have something they can actually tangibly take from them and enjoy. So this is our soul, our mind, our will, emotions. This aspect of our being has to be recognized as a potential challenge if we don't deal with the um, part that is sensual, the part that is fleshly, that is selfish. In marriage, somebody would be miserable if there isn't a crucifixion of some kind every day. But oftentimes people, just like children, babies are born, it's gimme, 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 me, 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 gimme, 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 wah, wah, food, food, poopy, poopy. It's all about them, isn't that right? They're born into this world with this it's me attitude. Just, uh, you know, to some of the younger families. Can I just tell you the danger of worshiping your children and exalting them and making them like gods in your house? Oh, isn't that cute? No, that's the flesh. Oh, look, he's throwing a fit. Isn't that cute? 
No, I, I can tell you, it isn't. Has anybody in this room ever seen a child throw a fit in the store and, and you feel the anointing come on your hand? You just like, Shh. right? That's, there's a reason why the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from them. My mama knew how to drive some foolishness, I'm telling you. But what is that helping you to do? That helps you to possess your own soul. You're teaching and training children how to possess their own soul, how to dominate their own person. And that's great that it's boo-boo and boo and and. And, and oh, you know, yeah. But listen, it starts so early. And you can tell a fit from actually crying. See, I don't even know. I go into stuff sometimes, you just wonder. But it is the truth. People afraid to, to do something uh, wrong in our society. Listen, haul my behind to jail. I am going to save my children's life from hell. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, the, the board of learning to the seat of information, it's scripture. Are we gonna go with the book or are we gonna go with reason? Reason gets you in trouble when it defies God's word. It's okay to be reasonable as long as it agrees God. After that, though, it leads to death. It seems so, uh, you know, it makes so much sense, so many things that they would tell you. But when it conflicts with the book, you need to take it for what it is. It is a lie. It is deception. It is destructive. Y'all with me? Praise the Lord. And so uh, we are to strip ourselves. It's interesting in verse 21, he says, assuming that you have really heard, it, heard him and been taught by him. He says, I'm assuming that you've actually heard him and have been taught by him while I'm telling you that these things should not be in your life because if you have heard him and have been taught by him, then you are to put these things off and away from yourself. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo-wee. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians. In First Thessalonians it says, So then, let us not, this is chapter 5 and verses 6 through 8, for those who are taking notes. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. So then, let us not sleep as do the rest, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunk are drunken in the night. But let us, since we are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So again, it's interesting when when we say sober, many of us think, well, sober means not to be drunk with alcohol. 
But actually, the word sober is to be clear-headed, clear-headed or clear-minded. And the only way you could be clear-headed or clear-minded is if your mind has been cleared by God's word. In other words, it's saturated, influenced, and unfinished. An uninfluenced mind uh, is uh, when you uh, would say, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall what? ask what you will and it'll be done for you. Without me, you can do nothing. So whatever you're doing without the abiding word is of no value. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody say, I'm clear-headed. So, so again, I will reemphasize that when we put our life on cruise control, our Christianity on cruise control, and just kind of go, you know, float and flutter, uh, you are probably not functioning in a blessed environment. But if you are uh, influenced by the Word of God, the abiding Word of God, then you are functioning in your highest capacity. Glory to God. And we need to stop and check ourselves in every situation. Because I, I know when I've been on cruise control, and all of a sudden I realize I've been on cursed control, flesh control, <laughs> because of my responses. Easily offended. Easily offended. And you guys know people like that in your life that you're like, oh, I walk on eggshells around them because, gosh, you know, because they're living in their flesh. You tell them something, they're like, you're like, whoa, (laughs) I'm not attacking, I'm just saying, I'm I'm sorry, please forgive me, I'm just trying to get an answer, I didn't, you know, don't feel threatened. We're glad this doesn't happen in marriage. And don't get me wrong, gentlemen, we need to work on our delivery. You know, we think we're just talking. And uh, that person, that beautiful angel, amazing princess that God has given us, feels like we're talking down to them, that it's condescending our tone of voice and that kind of thing. So we have to work on our communication with each other. And uh, uh, vice versa, of course, ladies, we have to work on um, uh, our, how we address uh, the husband, and, and uh, that there was be honor and respect in, in your voice. But in the role, in the house, the greatest responsibility is upon the man. So why do you say that, Pastor Andy? Well, it does say, wives, submit to your husband. But it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ Love the church. Goes on to define who was crucified. So we are the crucified ones in this relationship. Laying our life down for our spouses. And if there is anything that that would define, it would be your soul. Sometimes we have difficulty saying I'm sorry. Difficulty really hard to say I was wrong. We're like, I was wrong. And the wife's like, come on, come on. 
But it's not always the man that has trouble saying I'm wrong. But we need to get used to it when we are. Say it. Apologize. Die to yourself. Make your home a place where the love of God abounds and honor and respect abide. Learn to do this in all of your life. The Bible says, submit yourselves one to another. This is across the board, the body of Christ. It certainly applies in marriage. But we are all called to yield and submit ourselves to each other. Love each other. We need for you to live and walk in the Spirit, crucifying the flesh. Hallelujah. I'll say it again. At a wedding, you're hoping for two deaths. Say funeral wedding, same thing, except at a wedding, you want two deaths. I'm not talking about your physical body dying. I'm talking about your soul. If you die to yourself, your selfish ambitions, your it's all about me, because a lot of times when people get married, it's the same thing as a child being born. What can you do for me? I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. Right? Now, some of the things you get married for later, you realize, oh, my goodness, I guess it's not all about that. Because you don't live your whole life in bed, right? There's more to marriage than just that. Now, it's important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to play that down. But you can't survive on that. In fact, everything else will affect that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That used to be a Christian song. Do you have a problem with that? So we need God's help, isn't that right? The grace of God resting upon us to be able to be the best us we could possibly be for our spouses, for our communities, for our church, and for our jobs. We crucify ourselves daily, subdue our souls, live the life God intended for us to live. It can be a happy, happy life. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your grace resting upon your people. Thank you for your anointing and power flooding each and every person's life. Your grace upon us, Father, to uh, crucify our flesh and our, our unrenewed minds, to put to death those things that are opposed to your will, to your way, to your word, that you would be exalted in us as we live and move and have our being in Christ, as we live out and walk out our faith by doing that which you've commanded. We thank you, Lord, that each and every person in this room and those who are listening to this broadcast, that we are doers of the word and not hearers only. Thank you, Father, that the love of God abounds in the church. The love of God abounds in each home and each family. That you are our help. You are our strength and our power and you make our way perfect. We thank you, Lord God, for yielded lives, yielded hearts. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and no one looking around the room, please, if you're here today or you've tuned into our broadcasts and you don't know for sure if you were to die, you would go to heaven. The Bible says you can know for sure. You see, there's a real heaven and a real hell. Hell is a horrible place of torment and torture and torment. 
And Jesus literally took our sins into himself and suffered the full penalty for those and rose again from the dead so that through faith in him, we could escape that which we deserve. And so if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you would like to invite him into your heart. I would like to pray a simple prayer with you today. And by simply praying by faith in Jesus Christ, you can be a child of God. Just say this with me right now. Everybody together say, Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for me, that he was buried, and he rose again. I call Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you, Father, that I've been born again. In Jesus' name, amen.